All right, Romans chapter 16, Romans 16, Romans 16, verse 1. I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is at Centra, that you receive her in the Lord as to become a saint, and that you assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you. For she hath been a sucker of many, and of myself also. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Salute my well-beloved Eponetus, who is the first fruits of Achaia unto Christ. Greet Mary, who labored much labor, who bestowed much labor on us. Salute Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners, who are of note among the apostles, who also were in Christ before me. Greet Amplius, Amplius, my beloved in the Lord. Salute Urbane, our helper in Christ, and Stuckus, my beloved. Salute Apelles, approved in Christ. Salute them which are of Aristobulus' household. Salute Herodian, my kinsman. Greet them that be of the household of Narcissus, which are in the Lord. Salute Tryphena and Tryphosa, who labor in the Lord. Salute the beloved Persis, which labored much in the Lord. Salute Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mine. Salute Asyncritus and Phlegion, Hermas, Patrus, Hermes, and the brethren which are with him. Salute Philogelus and Julia, Julia, Nurus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints which are with them. Salute one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ salute you. I've told this message this morning simply, labors together in the Lord. Labors together in the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity and privilege we have to open your precious word. I pray as we look into the word of God today that we be encouraged. I pray that as we consider that you used people from different walks of life with different abilities and talents to glorify and honor you, that we'd realize that each of us has a place in the kingdom of God and in his church for the glory and honor of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who loved us and gave himself for us, we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul was writing to the church at Corinth. Of course, they were arguing and bickering about who was following who and who was what in the church at Corinth. In verses 5 through 9, he says, Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers by whom you believe, and even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted, planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything. Make note of that. Neither is he that planteth anything. Neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. And here in Romans chapter 16, we have, as it were, a list of people. In one sense, you could read it like the genealogies. And just read through it and say, you know, well, 
What's the purpose of that? Well, there is a purpose in genealogies. Those, per- those genealogies prove who Jesus Christ is. And there's also some practical instruction in those genealogies. But as we read through this list this morning, and that's what we're going to kind of go through, we're, gonna, we're not going to dwell, look on every name, but I believe there's some instruction here for us as we realize that God used ordinary people from ordinary places, from different walks of life, but they all became one in Christ. And the difference was, there's a little phrase that's used nine times in the first 13 verses. It's either in Christ or in the Lord. That's what made the difference in their lives. Spurgeon said about this, he said, They were like most of us, commonplace individuals, but they loved the Lord. And therefore, as Paul recollected their names, he sent them a message of love which has become embalmed in the Holy Scriptures. Do not let us think of the distinguished Christians exclusively so as to forget the rank and file of the Lord's army. Do not let the eye rest exclusively upon the front rank, but let us love all whom Christ loves. Let us value all Christ's servants. It is better to be God's dog than the devil's darling. Unquote. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked, the psalmist said. You see, each person that's part of the family of God is important to God and is of value to God. And so as we consider these this morning, these labors together with God, first of all, we have Phoebe. She was a Evidently, a woman of means at the church in Centra, as it says in the first verse, which is in the church at Centra. Uh, it, it, you know, verse 2 says that she has some business, and, and, and it's believed that Phoebe was the means of transportation of this letter, this epistle, epistle to Rome. She was the one that delivered it, because she was going there. Because notice what Paul says in verse 2, that you receive her in the Lord. So he's writing to the churches in Rome. You receive her in the Lord as become a saints, and that you assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you. And that word business talks about a commercial matter, a matter of law, like a case or a suit. So she was a person of means. Um... And again, it's believed that she was the one who carried this epistle to Rome, to the churches there. And I believe there was more than one church there in Rome at this time. But three, I want to notice three things that says about her. First of all, it says he calls her a sister, our sister. Of course, this refers to her standing as a child of God. You know, the name Phoebe, this really, this is a name of the moon goddess of the Greeks. The goddess Artemis. Known by an epithet, Phoebe. And was supposed to be identified with the light of the moon. However, she became a child of God, so she became a light, not of the moon, but a light or a reflection of the Son of God. And it tells us that many of these people have been led to Christ out of the depths and 
darkness of paganism. You know, many of them probably lived shameful practices and, and orgies of evil, but now they're in the Lord. As I said, that's used nine times in these first 13 verses. And these people didn't leave the places of the, or the locations of their former living, but the practices of their former living. Think about it. These Christians at Rome that Paul's writing to lived in the seat of government that opposed them and persecuted them. But their practice is now has become a saints, if you notice in verse 2. So she's referred to as a sister. She's also referred to as a servant. And again, in verse 1, it says, Phoebe, our sister. I commend unto you, Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is at Centra. And that word servant is the same word we get our word deacon from. Deaconess, deaconos, diakonos, it's a Greek word. It refers to a woman whom the care of either poor or sick women was entrusted. You know, it seems that she was a single woman, again, of means, she had business, and she had abilities, and that willingly gave herself to ministering to others. You know, of course, like the, the first deacons who looked after the widows and, and the needy, and the, you know, of course, the Bible says they served tables, and you know, they were always aware, or always alert to the needs and, and the members of the body. And so she was a woman who, who, who was a servant. She looked after those that had needs. She had means, and she used it. She used the abilities that she had and the influence she had to meet the needs of others. She was a servant of the Lord. She did it for the Lord. So she's a, she was a sister. She was a servant. The third thing it mentions about her, she's a succorer. That's an old English word. If you notice in verse 2, that you receive her in the Lord as to become a saint, that you assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you, for she hath been a succorer of many and of myself also. Now, this word sucker her means here, a, it's like a female guardian, a protectress, caring for the affairs of others and aiding them with her resources. Now, when, when, when it says that she had business, and that business was a matter of law. No, the Bible doesn't tell us this. But Paul said, she has been a sucker of myself also. You know, Paul was always in trouble with the law. Not that he tried to be. It's just that the laws of the land, of course, were Roman. And they, the Roman, there was the worship, worship of all these gods everywhere he went. And so when he said the only way to, to truly worship God is through Jesus Christ, there was always a problem. And many times he ended up in jail, which would have meant he'd probably had trials. Court. Had to go to court. And it may be that she helped him with these things. He said he was a sucker of myself also. You know, she, she like Barnabas, gave of her means. You know, First Timothy tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses uh, 6 through 17, you know, I know these are passages that pastors are supposed to avoid nowadays, but sorry, I'm not going to. 
1 Timothy 17 through 19, it's in the Bible, we need to be aware of it. Charge them that are rich in this world, and she was evidently rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in certain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. So, you know, he says those that, ha- those that have well should use it for the glory of God. They should invest in the kingdom of God. You know, God doesn't give us wealth to live lavishly or carelessly. To live like the rich man who fared sumptuously every day. While poor beggar ate the crumbs off his table. Again, there's nothing wrong with having wealth. It seems that she had it. But she used it to help those that had needs. And Paul said she was a helper of many. She was a helper of many. She labored for the Lord. Secondly, we have here somebody that Paul knew very well in verses 3 and 4. Priscilla and Aquila, verse 3 and 4, 5 says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. You know, these were, Paul called Priscilla and Aquila, helpers in Jesus Christ. You know, this couple Paul met, when he went to Corinth the first time. They were Jews who had been exiled from Rome and were tent makers. They had been, you know, the, 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 the Caesar, Caesar at the time, had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome. And so they had been exiled from Rome, and so they came to Corinth, and that's where Paul met them. Acts chapter 18, verses 1 through 3 tells us that. And Paul actually stayed, it says he abode in their house. So when he went into the city of Corinth and started preaching the gospel, he met up with them, and they took him and provided him with food and shelter, a place to stay. And so Paul abode with them 18 months. And he said they were helpers. The word helper means a companion in the work, a fellow worker, one who labors with another in furthering the cause of Christ. You see, they were laborers together in the gospel. Now, there's no indication that there's no indication that Aquila was a pastor or a missionary. I've you know, read some things about him, and nobody says he was. He was just a common man, like most of us, but one that loved the Lord. And served him with what he had. But these two, it's an interesting thing. Wherever you see the name Aquila, you will see the name Priscilla. And wherever you see the name Priscilla, you will see the name Aquila. They're always, always mentioned together. In truest sense, they were one in their common interest for the gospel. And together, they had a great impact in the lives of many. In fact, Paul said they laid down their necks. To lay down, the, word, the, the words lay down means to place under, to supply from one's own resources. Of course, the idea of laying down your neck means you're ready to incur the most 
imminent peril of life. Willing to give your own life. You're laying down your next piece of decapitation. And these two were. They didn't consider what they had as their own. Not even their own lives. And of course, you know, now, they're, now they're back at Rome, so Paul's sending greeting to them, and he said to greet them, the church that is in their house. So they had a church that was assembling in their house at Rome. You know, at Corinth, they, they, Paul stayed there, and the Bible doesn't tell us whether the church met there in their house or not. We don't know that for sure, but, but Paul bowed there. And so, so they, they were, they were uh, 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 you know, willing to use whatever they had for the gospel's sake. Uh, they were ready and willing to take upon them the most difficult hardships and sufferings for the Lord. There was no sacrifice too great. They were willing to spend and be spent. And they worked together. They were, notice, I want to notice several things about them. They were one given to hospitality. Look at Acts, again, Acts chapter 18, verse 3, where Paul says, in Acts 18, verse 3, speaking of them, um, It says, and because he was of the same craft, and this is, of course, speaking of Aquila and Priscilla, his wife Priscilla, because of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought, for by their occupation they were tent makers. So, so he abode with them. Uh, it means he stayed with them. They, they were willing to be hospitable and give him. Of course, they were willing to have a church assemble in their own house. So they were given to hospitality. They were one in that. They encouraged the saints by giving themselves. Again, verse 4 says, they've laid, Paul said, Who for my life had laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. See, it was not just Paul they ministered to, but they helped churches wherever they went. At one point, when they, when, when Paul, after Paul left Corinth, they went with him. And the last we hear of them until now is at Ephesus. So they went with him all the way to Ephesus, but at some point they went back to Rome, probably when they were allowed to go back. But wherever they went, they helped and ministered in the churches. They helped with spiritual insight. Of course, in verse 5 tells us there's a church in their house. But also in Acts chapter 18, you remember, Apollos, when we first see Apollos, comes on the scene. And he was mighty in the scriptures, the Bible says. But he didn't completely understand the gospel. In Acts chapter 18, verse 24, it says, And a certain Jew named Apollos, born in Alexandria, an eloquent man, and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. So, so this is when um, Aquila and Priscilla are at Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, being fervent in the spirit. He spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took unto him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. See, he only understood the baptism of John. He didn't know about the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and so they, they gave him the, the rest of the message, you might say.
So here was this couple, you know, they were well-grounded. They were serious about their walk with the Lord. You know, and what a blessing it is to have a husband that loves the Lord and is seeking to please him and a wife who loves and honors him and seeks the same. You know, Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 says this. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth. For he hath not another to help him. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. How can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. You know, these two people worked together. They worshiped together. Were social together. They suffered together because they were together in Christ. A blessed union of the Lord. And they were greatly used of the Lord. You know, it's interesting. The name Priscilla, it means primitive or old-fashioned. Now, some think old-fashioned is the way you dress. You know, you just look kind of from yesteryear. No, old-fashioned does not mean unattractive, odd, or peculiar. Royal Lawrence said this in his book, Quote, old-fashioned means to be true to virtues and ideals that have passed out of common use. In this respect, the Christian is in constant demand. He or she must sponsor the forgotten virtues of righteousness, unquote. And that's what it means to be old-fashioned. You sponsor the forgotten virtues of righteousness. You know, our world needs to see righteousness in God's people. That's old-fashioned. That's out of date. It's out of culture in our society. Excuse me. But these people possess values that were godly and were a great help to many. But I want you to notice also the, and consider this, this roster of the faithful here, as you might call it. And just some things about them. In verses 5 through 15, I'm not going to read all this for sake of time. We're going to look at, not going to look at all these names, but I want to look at a few. Uh, verse 5 says, Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Talking about Aquila and Priscilla. And then it says, Salute my well-beloved Apennatus, who is the first fruits of Achaia unto Christ. Apennatus means praiseworthy. He was the first fruits. Paul calls him well-beloved. That means he was esteemed highly. His fellowship and service were dear to Paul. He was faithful in his service to the Lord. Uh, There's also Mary. In verse 6 it says, Greet Mary who bestowed much labor on us. Now we talked about Aquila and Priscilla, but here's a single woman. Mary. And you know what Mary means? Rebellion. Obstinacy. But remember, this Mary is in the Lord. She's in the Lord. In the Lord, she was of great value. And notice what Paul said. He doesn't say a whole lot about her, but he says this. Who bestowed much labor on us. Much labor. That speaks of wearisome toil. She gave herself. What she had, you know, she was a single woman. She didn't have a husband to take care of or look after or or to to meet the needs of. She gave herself completely to the Lord. 
Again, she was willing to spend and be spent. She gave herself. She looked for opportunities. You know, we need to look for opportunities. Yesterday, we were out in visitation, and I thought about this. Both, there was, there was just the four of us yesterday in visitation, and trust you were praying for that. But, but anyway, each of us missed the opportunity we initially intended to, to, uh, to visit. They weren't home or they didn't answer the door. But each of us made another opportunity. Oh, I went across the street. Visited the Stricklands. That wasn't who he was intended to visit. Uh, we, I, and I befriended a guy that was coming out of his house, neighbor to the house we were at, intended to visit. And so we made opportunity. You see, Mary made opportunity to serve the Lord. She looked for opportunity. And Paul said she bestowed much labor on us. And he said, so greet her. Salute, verse 7, salute Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen, my fellow prisoners, who have known among the apostles, who also were in Christ before me. You know, these were evidently Paul's kin. Saved longer than he was. They were, pro- they were evidently Jewish brethren. Saved longer than he was. Had spent time in jail together. They were also known among the apostles. They were not apostles, but they were known among the apostles. And Andronicus means, his name means, man of victory. Junia means youthful. And, and, and the, we need to rejoice in the victory that is ours in Christ Jesus... And be vigorous, youthful, or zealous in our service for Him. You know the sacrifice, the, not the sacrifice, the, circ- the circumstances of life did not defeat them. You know, we should be excited and considered a privilege to assemble, to worship, to learn, to serve, to sacrifice. You know, David Livingston said this quote: "If a commission by an earthly king is considered an honor." How can a commission by a heavenly king be a sacrifice? Unquote. You know, if the president of the United States where you call you up and say, Brother Hoyle, I've got an appointment for you. I want you to be the ambassador to Canada for me. I need somebody to straighten out Justin Trudeau. I mean, you consider that a great honor. But you know, the Lord has called us, chosen us to be his ambassador. We're his ambassadors. You know, here was two men that, you know, had spent time in prison with Paul, fellow prisoners, and yet they were rejoicing. They were vigorous. They had a zeal of youth. You know, it's good to have some younger people. You know, when Bradley gets up in the morning, he's just, you know, he's just like he's all bubbling. I don't have that bubble. Maybe it's I'm aged, you know. I, ne- I guess I never was a bubbly person. Um, but, you know, it, 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 it brings some life, you know. 
Oh, we need to rejoice in what the Lord has given us. We also see here in verse 8, Amplius says, Greet Amplius, my beloved in the Lord. The, word, the name Amplius means large or enlarged. And, and, and of course, we are to continually uh, to enlarge ourselves. You know, 2 Corinthians 6, 11 says, O ye Corinthians, our mouth is open and you, our heart is enlarged. And enlarging, to enlarge ourselves means that we, we allow the Lord to work in our lives and draw near to him and that we are of more use for him. Uh, and that's what 2 Corinthians 6 is all about. You know, setting aside the things of this world and, the, and separating ourselves unto God. You know, 2 Corinthians ten fifteen says, Not boasting of things without our measure, that is, of other men's labors, but having hope when your faith is increased that we shall be enlarged by you according to our rule. So it says when faith is increased, there's enlargement. It reminds us we need to be continually putting off those things that displease the Lord, putting on those things that please Him, that we may draw nearer to Him, that we may be more useful to Him. Verse 9. Urbane. What's that sound like? Huh? Urban, which reminds you of a city. That's what it means. City. It also means uh, polite. I don't know if city and polite go together, but it must. Uh, but anyway, you know, polite. Christians are not to be rude and uncivil. He says, salute Arbane, our helper in Christ. Uh, and, and we ought to be, of all people, courteous and kind. Ephesians 4.32 says, And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Even Peter, the rugged old fisherman, says in 1 Peter 3.8, Finally, be ye all of one mind, have compassion one another, love us, brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. There's no place in a Christian's life for rudeness and crudeness. In fact, the Bible says in Timothy, the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men. We don't have the gentleness and meekness of Christ. The virtuous woman in Proverbs 31, 26 says this, she openeth her mouth with wisdom in her tongue, is the law of kindness. The law of kindness. Then there's Stuckus. Stuckus, I'm not sure how you say that. It says, my beloved. And I'm not going to say it's time for all these, but uh, there's Apelles, verse 10. Salute Apelles, approved in Christ. Apelles means called. We have been called with a holy calling, Second Timothy 1.9 tells us. We've been chosen to be holy and without blame before him in love, Ephesians 1.5. You see, we have a higher purpose. We have a calling of God. We have a higher purpose in the things of this world. Again, we've been privileged to be chosen as his ambassadors. You know, he could have used the rocks. He could use rocks. But God has ordained that man hear the gospel from man. Think of it. The Ethiopian eunuch. 
He's the treasure of the queen of Ethiopia. He's a man of rank and authority. He's riding in his chariot. And like Pastor Webb said the other day, it's most likely that if he was, a, was in a chariot, that he had armed guards. He was a man under author, of authority, great authority. And, he, and, and, and the Lord says to uh, Philip, go join yourself to that chariot. Now, who's Philip? Well, he's just this Jewish evangelist out of Jerusalem, you know. So he goes running over to join this chariot. Could you imagine the Ethiopian eunuchs could have said, I'm the treasure of the queen. Who are you to stop my chariot? What's your rank? What's your rank? But you know, with God, there's no rank. There's no rank. That fisherman preached to the religious leaders. They would have been considered the state church officials of the day. See, there's no rank in the kingdom of God. There's no respecter of persons. We are called. There's Aristobulus, verse 10. Salute. Apelles approved in Christ. Salute them which are of Aristobulus' household. <coughs> Excuse me. Aristobulus means, his name means wise or excellent counselor. It indicates maturity of wisdom and a good judgment. Again, and, and he talks about a household. You know, God desires households to please honor him. There's also um, Herodian, which means heroic. And, you know, real, real, uh, uh, Heroism is a walk of faith. Uh, and then there's also the household of Narcissus, verse 11, which are in the Lord. This one I thought was interesting. Narcissus means vain or stupidity. It has to do with the, of the vanity of a person, and in his vanity of self, he becomes a flower. Sounds like a flower chow. But... He lived in contrast to his name. Jim Elliott said this, He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to get what he cannot lose. But he had a household. Though his name means something contrary, he had a household uh, which were in the Lord. A household that glorified God. And then Tryphena and Trophosa, verse 12, Who labor much in the Lord. Again, these two women, and Tryphena means luxurious, and Tryphosa means luxuriating. <laughs> it seems to indicate to me that they could have lived lives of pleasure and just for themselves. But you know, when a person gives their life to Christ, if they're really going to live for the Lord, they can't just live for self. Because the Bible talks about the love of God that's shed abroad in our hearts. Yeah, that's what happened to Paul. He said, the love of Christ constraineth me. It compels me. It's what drives me. J. 
Jeremiah said his word was a burning fire in my heart, and I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. You see, these two women, who evidently lived lives of luxury prior to coming to the Lord, were now laboring much in the Lord. They gave, again, they gave themselves to the Lord. They began to labor. And then I want you to look one final one. Philagalos. Philagagos. That's in verse 15. Salute Philologos and Julia, nurse and his sister, and Lippus. Again, notice all the women here, but this, this Philologos, uh, his name means lover of the word or lover of learning. The Bible tells us in Proverbs, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That wisdom is the principal thing. It is the thing that we are to most seek after. We are to seek after the truth. Buy the truth and sell it not. Solomon said. He said it's the principal thing. It's the thing of the most, utmost importance. What we ought to seek after is the truth, is wisdom. See, wisdom investigates the truth. It invents and makes life better. It is a strategy to win battles. It is humility to receive instruction. It makes ordinary people extraordinary people. Now why did Paul put all these in here? What's the purpose of all that? Well, I think these were ordinary people from all walks of life. You know, some were saved out of Judaism. Paul referred to some of them as his kinsmen. Others from paganism. Phoebe, Mary. But they were all in the Lord. Chosen of him. Useful to him. Because they'd surrendered themselves to him. And like he said, like Spurgeon said, their names are embalmed in the scriptures. And you might say, well, I know, their name is, but mine never will be. God has a record book with all the names of his children in it. He couldn't put all the names of history in, in his book. He just put these in to illustrate for us that we too can be useful. We too can have an influence if we will, like them, give ourselves to him and the ministry that he's called us to. See, we've, we, like them, have been called. We, like them, have been chosen. The only difference is they were then. We are now. So the question is, what are you going to do with it? You know, God has given us this time frame in which to serve him. He's put you in this place 
to serve him. He's put you where you live to serve him. He's put you in whatever home you're in to serve him. To glorify him. He's put you in places of employment to serve him. To be a witness and a testimony for him. And when you get to heaven, and you know, there just might be a list like this that talks about you and I. I don't know that. But God keeps the records. You see, they were, they were, they were not unlike us. They're just like us. And so we can be like them as is written about them in here. And so these things are written for our admonition, for our instruction. Might we learn from them and give as they gave and serve as they served, laying down our lives for the gospel's sake.